Welcome to Convo Lounge Expression Exposure Experience. Welcome to the Convo Lounge podcast. Thank you very much for joining us on yet another exciting episode. Remember that you could follow us on our different social media platforms using the hashtag Convo Lounge Africa or WhatsApp us at plus two six seven seven six five one triple nine two to continue the conversation as we have different conversations around the unemployment problem in the country, trying to find solutions to the unemployment problem in our economy by highlighting some of the value talent that we have in the country who are working towards providing um, solutions to this high uh, unemployment that we have in our country. And today I'm hosting here Mr. Tafonga from Zavia Africa and we're going to be having a conversation around uh, starting his uh, enterprise, starting his business and you know getting a journey on his academics and how he got to be where he is right now and what he is doing right now currently with Zavia Africa playing into the digital space as we, you know, try to go to a knowledge-based economy as a country. Thank you very much for joining us, uh, Tavonga. Welcome to the Convo Lounge podcast. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> right. Um, let's just get a brief introduction of who, you know, you are, you know, just a journey of how you've gotten to, uh, from Tavonga to Xavier Africa. Yeah, I mean, um, it's always very difficult yeah. uh, to... <laughs> To survey my journey, but I think I will take a bit of a summary approach to it. Um, my journey started first as a Yale Young African Scholar, um, just after I finished my Form 5. And uh, once I finished the Yale Young African Scholar program, I then went on to start my bachelor degree with um, Botswana Community College uh, with a course in partnership with Sheffield Hallam University. Uh, from there, I then went on to do my executive MBA, um, which I then completed. And uh, from there, then started working on my PhD in um, digital transformation with a focus on what we call deep neural networks and artificial intelligence. Mm. Um, so my journey really... Initially, as you can see, it started first in financial services and finance. And um, as I was doing financial services and finance, I got to a point where um, there were some key concepts that I thought, you know, I was top 1% in, you know, worldwide, especially in derivative pricing, that I thought, you know, because I had mastered them, I'd be able to have something for myself. But I went online one day, and then I found that there was a tool online where you could just put in the numbers of what's going on, yeah. and then it automatically calculated it. Um, I knew at that very moment that I had to pivot, and I had to pivot very fast. So that's really where the whole foundations of Xavier Africa started there, where it was, okay, cool, how do we pivot from this financial service and finance to going to where the world is moving towards? Yeah. And at the time, you know, when you talk about artificial intelligence... No one would know, you know, what we're what talking, you're talking about. about. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? I mean, uh, I, I always laugh and say, you know, I'm old enough to remember AI standing for artificial insemination. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and not, you know, artificial intelligence. So, so really at the time, that's when, you know, I kind of figured, okay, let me do that. And the, thing, the good thing as well was that statistics, right, is the foundation of machine learning and AI. And statistics at the same time is a big part of finance. So... It's all numbers. Yeah. So, but the thing is that the numbers now have a differentiator in how they are applied and how they are worked out. 
So I then started moving towards now, you know, machine learning and artificial intelligence. Started studying that, how to make models, how to, you know, uh, work with different types of models to solve different types of problems. And at the time, um, by the time I, I felt I was ready, you know, to start applying these things, I started looking for jobs, yeah. you know, around what I can do there. Because although I'd finished top of my class, you know, doing my first degree in finance, and I had a lot of job opportunities in that space, I there was very little, you know, job opportunities around machine learning and AI at the time locally. Um, because like I said again, right, it was not a big thing. So as a result, I then decided, listen, let me let me just try and start something, right? Uh, and then it will be a company that goes to other organizations, looks at their problems, and then goes on to give them a solution. Yeah. Um, hopefully one that, you know, is with AI. Yeah. And really that's 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 how we started yeah. the firm. But going back uh, maybe to your earlier years, um, did you always see this as a path that you would, um, you know, take? Um, getting into finance, let's just start the, you know, what yeah. influenced you to get to then um, study finance before you can then branch into, you know, AI solutions? Yeah. Yeah, look, I, I thought, I always thought I was going to be a lawyer Yeah, uh, growing <laughs> up. <laughs> and everybody thought I was going to become yeah. a lawyer, right? Because, look, I had been a national debate champion several times, you know, under my okay. school team. I, um, I was a, you know, national public speaking champion as well, you know, and also won a few awards at the country as well in public speaking during, during high school. Yeah. And because of that, you know, I always thought I was going to be a lawyer. And there was this show, um, Suits. It, it, it made things worse. Because yeah. <laughs> I thought I was going to be the next Harvey Specter. Yeah. Uh, until, you know, again, uh, the way these things shift is very funny. When I was in Form 4, I then watched, um, there was this time, you know, in suits when the investment bankers were fighting against the lawyers. <laughs> and the investment bankers kept winning over and over again. And I said, these guys must be the real guys. Yeah. So around that time, that's when, again, my focus started to shift. Um, I, in my head, my dream was I'm going to go, um, to Wharton after Wharton, then I'm going to go to, um, Harvard business school. And then after that, I'm going to become an investment banker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, with the focus on, uh, mergers and acquisitions. That yeah. was always my, that became my dream, you know, um, at the time, but obviously, you know, as life went on and as different things, uh, happened along the way you start to, you know, think about more things. Yeah. You can yeah. be more, more realistic um, if you could look at it that, right? Yeah. When you look at also, you know, just your then journey into um, studying at Botswana Accountancy um, College, yeah. uh, having the, that dream of, you know, studying outside the country uh, versus now studying in the country, yeah. you know, did you then get that quality of education that you, you know, always imagined um, and that actually got to contribute you to apply it to your current line of business now? Yeah, definitely. Mm. Look, um, for me, right, I actually had a conditional offer from, you know, one of the top Ivy League schools. Yeah. But they said to me that I had to do two years of A-levels. Yeah. I said, I'm not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> I said, I'm not doing that. Yeah. Uh, and I had an opportunity to go and do my degree in three years um, over, you know, potentially doing two years of A-levels and then maybe another three or four years additionally from there to, you know, to do, to get to pretty much the same outcome. Yeah. So that's when I decided, listen, I'm going to just leave that alone and then I'm going to do what I can do here 
and then we can join the dots from there. Mm-hmm. Um, and look, the quality of education that I received locally was of some of the highest standard yeah. because the focus was not on the theoretical concepts, which is where a lot of universities get it wrong. It was mostly on the practical application of whatever phenomena you're learning. So when I was doing, you know, finance, right, we were actually studying how to optimize financial portfolios. Yeah. You know, we were looking at a particular case of an organization, looking at the stocks they're currently holding, and then deciding and saying, okay, should we keep these stocks? Should we remove these stocks? And actually, you know, doing real derivative pricing using real life markets. And that kind of experience really, I think for me, was very important because it gave the practical foundation of not just theory, yeah. But now, actually, you know, practically, practically doing something, yeah. and that same foundation is what really helped me to be able to move from the theoretical foundations of machine learning and AI to the practical implementation of it. Yeah, because yeah. also when you mentioned that, um, there's all of, often a cry that in in our economy there is a gap between what the students have been taught in um, schools and what they actually get to apply in, in real life. Mm-hmm. And from your uh, particular example, um, what are some of the skills uh, that you actually got uh, during your studies that you actually got to apply now yeah. into um, the real world and actually running your business now? No, definitely. Look, mm. uh, I'm also not exactly the best example for yeah. this because... <laughs> I, I ended up not really doing what I studied in the first place, yeah. um, especially in, in, in finance. But I think one of the most important things that finance gave me was it got me used to solving very hard problems. Um, anybody who was in, in class with us at the time will, will recall that there were some very, very difficult concepts that you had to be able to grasp. especially if you wanted to do something, right? I mean, remember modules like financial management um, where, you know, you're trying to cost uh, unlisted uh, derivative instruments. I mean, that that was really, really difficult to do. Um, You know, where you're dealing with, for example, trying to figure out regulations and how regulations affect pricing of specific instruments. So all those different types of things were very hard problems that required lots of time to figure out and to solve. Yeah. And that's basically the kind of concept that, you know, I can say I took from there and in all the different things that I do today, I adapt the exact same model. Yeah. You know, understanding how to fix hard problems and, you know, work through them. Yeah. And then um, just from that, um, how then did you get to, let's get into the story of how you started your business, um, Xavier Africa, uh, being a student and, you know, transitioning from that to now um, starting the, 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 the business, um, how it came about. Yeah. So um, Xavier Africa, I think we can even say that the foundations of the company started first in uh, the what we call the audiovisual room back in school. It was like a library. Yeah. Um, I remember I had a desk within the library where nobody else touched in the whole school. That was my desk. <laughs> <laughs> and that was our office, Yeah. you know, for, for, for a very long time before we could afford to get an office. And, and I think the foundations of the company started before we even named it or yeah. before it even existed. Yeah. Um, when I was in second year of university and... What we would, what I'd just try to do is I'd go around, you know, talking to different organizations, and I'd ask them, "Listen, I, I can build this thing for you. You know, we can put this and that together for you. Uh, just give us an opportunity. You can pay us if it works." Yeah. 
Um, and I remember that was the the very important zero to one moment for us for for us to be able to figure out what are the kinds of things that the the market is looking for, and for us to be able to break through that ceiling of you're an inexperienced company that has no you know track record, and really at the time to finance all those activities, you know I had to be the biggest book salesman in in the school. Yeah, right. I mean at some point. I remember the library used to come to me whenever they had excess stock of textbooks yeah. and asked me to go and sell them for them. <laughs> and, you know, I would carry over, obviously, the, the rest of the money. And so I'd basically get books from people who finished the, the previous year. Um, and then, you know, for in exchange for some cash, immediate cash, I'll take those books, I'll sell them to guys, you know, before. And really, that's a big part of what really financed our operation. Um, that as well as at the time as well, we would also even go and do tuition sessions, yeah. you know, for people in different classes. You know, when, whenever people wanted to do statistics one-on-one, um, things around finance, you know, whatever it was, really. It was, let's, how do we, you know, find ways to raise money? And yeah. so all that money that we're raising from all these different activities, there was the money that would plow back into the business, into being able now to fund the different things that we'd need to do. Yeah. And yeah. You, you mentioned getting to different brands and uh, provide, uh, approaching them to provide solutions for them. Um, how did you get to, to, to that or actually get to uh, find your way into these different corporates. I can imagine um, getting to a corporate as a student and you're trying to bring something that um, they are not really sure if they could buy into uh, whatever it is that you're selling them. (laughs) Yeah, that that was very difficult. I mean, and again, business development is obviously one of the most difficult things to do um, in any business. But I think for us, there was also this thing you call being naive yeah. that really helped us, right? Yeah. You know, we didn't know what it takes to get a project. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I remember the projections that we did for the first year. We predicted that we we're going to be millionaires. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I remember the first flow focus was like, first month, we're going to make 500,000. Second month, we're going to make a million. You know what I mean? And, and look, <laughs> when you look back, yeah. okay, uh, that was... Uh, but at the same time, that really helped us because we were not afraid to go into any organization and say, we have a solution for you. Yeah. Because we didn't understand what it took. We didn't understand that you had to have quality checks and quality assurance marks. We didn't understand that, you know, you had experience doing projects like that. We didn't understand anything about anything. So because of that, you know, we were brave enough to go into a lot of different uh, you know, organizations. And obviously we had a lot of organizations that slammed the doors on us. Um, but I think there was one organization, uh, you know, and I will say them by name very vehemently, uh, called Panda Bricks. Yeah. Um, one of the, I think the largest uh, brick manufacturing company who say to us, listen, we're willing to listen to what you have. We're willing to give you a chance. And the moment, you know, they gave us a chance, they opened the door for us, mm-hmm. you know, to be able to start really working. Yeah. And when you say we, uh, who is we? Let's get to to, to, to that and the composition of um, the company yep. in terms of, you know, your staff complement or actually how it, it actually got to, to start you alone. Yep. Um, do you have any collaborations that you're actually working on the project with? Yeah, so... At that time, really, it was myself and um, a second individual. Yeah. Uh, his name is uh, Vernon. And um, we'd just, you know, we'd just go around and we'd get these different types of things. Uh, but then after some time, um, we then onboarded uh, somebody who was a little older. His name is uh, Muteo Litsuiti. We're still partners to this day. Um, and the, the thing with uh, Muteo had been that 
he'd been in the industry for for a while, for a while yeah. not necessarily the tech industry but like different types of industries um he knew you know who's who who's where and and so on and so forth so really for me it was okay let me get this this older guy who probably understands more about the business world yeah. uh, i think he's five or six years my senior <laughs> and he will go and handle and help us handle those elements yeah whilst you know i go and figure out how do we get the technology mix and how do we get all these things and then as time went on um and as we were growing larger and larger the ownership group also expanded um we then added that our third co-founder now um part of our business Kesero Mukhosi um who was a brilliant engineer as well um after some time as well within another individual his name is Tabang Isaka um who was you know who is let me not even say was who is you know one of the best jacks of all trades I've ever met in my life. Yeah. You know, they say, you know, jack of all trades, master of none. Literally, he's a master of all. You know, yeah. you could do the engineering, you could do the business development, he could do the designing, he could, you know, he could, you know, really do a lot of things. And, and so, we then, initially, he started off as an employee, just like Kaseho uh, did as well. But eventually, as years went by, he then went on to join the ownership group. And then lastly, we then had another guy, Prince Appiah as well, um, who was an excellent engineer. And um, we thought to say, listen, because he's been with us for about five, six years, let's also bring him to the ownership group. So that's how the ownership groups look like, looks like. And uh, since then, I mean, obviously the team has grown. Uh, I think right now we've got about 25 uh, people who are currently uh, working for the organization. Um, and we've got an office here in, in, in Habaronian Finance Park. We've got another office in uh, Johannesburg, a place called Rosebank. And um, we are also in the process of finalizing our third office in um, Harare in Zimbabwe. Okay, cool stuff. Let's yeah. go for a quick break. When we come back, we're going to now delve into understanding, you know, the solutions that now your uh, company is bringing to um, the economy and get the dear listeners to understand exactly what Xavier Africa is. Let's go for a quick break. When we come back, we're going to continue here on the Convo Lounge podcast. Convo Lounge. Expression, exposure, experience. Welcome back to the Convo Lounge podcast. Remember that you could follow our conversation on different social media platforms using our hashtag Convo Lounge Africa. Just give us feedback using our WhatsApp line plus 267-7651-992 so that we could have you know the different conversations around the unemployment problem in the country as we continue to you know share a bit of light on some of the high value talent that we have in our economy. And today we're talking to Davonga or Xavier Africa, just to get to understand more about his business, um, with the solutions that they are bringing uh, with Xavier Africa. Maybe we could start off, uh, continue the conversation there um, to get now to understand, you know, your company um, holistically in terms of what it does, the solutions that it provides. You mentioned that you have about three offices now. Um, you're going to a third office in Harare, yeah. um, Zimbabwe, and you, Take us through, you know, some of the solutions that you provide as a, as a company. Yeah. So, like I said from the beginning of the conversation, yeah. the focus for us from the very beginning was how do we create solutions for existing problems? Yes. Right. So, from the beginning, that was the root of what it is we're building. And so, because of that, we then started going into different organizations and our foundations were in bespoke software development. 
Um, so what we would do uh, from the beginning was we'd go into an organization and then intimately understand the operations of the business um, and be one with the goals and targets that they had. From there, would then go on and create bespoke software that would get them to where they're looking to get to. So if they were looking to, for example, increase sales, this would mean that they need more collateral that would help them improve their visibility and, you know, the, the, the brand um, and organization. You know what I mean? So that would mean that probably you need to build, uh, you know, websites, you need to build web funnels, you know, chatbots and so on and so forth and the technologies that would help in driving that. If an organization was looking to become more efficient, what you do is you'd first of all work on what we call business process automation, um, optimization, sorry, where you're looking at all the different processes they go through and then going on to see how you can streamline them and then actually building software that would help to automate those processes. So since those are our foundations, the idea for us was to always then end up with a suite of products. Because bespoke software development takes a very long time. Yes. And for most organizations, it's too expensive an endeavor yeah. for them to take on. So eventually our goal was we want to be able to then instate the suite of products uh, from our intimate understanding of the African context. Because we've been doing work across you know, the continent, really, uh, not just in Botswana and the two other countries that we're in, but rather, I mean, some work in Egypt, Tunisia, you know, Congo, and so on. And so because of that, the idea was always to eventually start, you know, building our own suite. Yeah. And so our suite of products now, right, has quite a bit of a range. And all of them are AI powered because that's our background. So within the health sector, right, we've got um, several solutions within there that basically use artificial intelligence to predict the risk of death or intensification of a chronic illness. Yeah. So the idea is that we've got all these things collecting data about a person's real-time you know, condition and then different algorithms that go on to predict the likelihood that you know, something dreadful might happen from that data. And that's really something that has been trained with data that we've been working on with some key you know, members of the medical fraternity for the last three years. And um, that suite of products now is starting to come alive um, to be used and integrated different organization systems with one large, you know, hospital group having taken that. Are they specifically targeted to um, the brands? Because I'm I'm just imagining what your source of data would be to actually, if your solutions are specific to uh, the different brands that you get to work with, how do you get um, access to such data um, to understand the operations of that business so that you can, you know, bring solutions um, to, 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 to the, the problems? Yeah, so remember, right, the, the, our main business has always been working with different organizations, right? But then now when we're building this new suite of products, yeah. the idea has always been for us to source our own data. Yeah. So a lot of the data that we've been sourcing and using for our foundational models has been from partnerships with large hospital groups, especially in health, mm. where for them, they've got a piece of the action in that particular solution because they bring in the expertise mm. and the understanding as well as the data, whilst you know we bring in the technical um, expertise as well uh, to be able to understand how to create these models mm. and how to create the solution as well. Mm. So those partnerships really are what gets us there. Mm. Same thing you know, in financial services. Uh, all the work that we're doing within financial services and the foundational AI models that we've created within that, that industry and are now retailing and you know, basically distributing have been as a result 
of partnerships as well with um, organizations within the industry already who've yeah. got the data and the expertise. Yeah. Um, same thing in education, you know, um, working on different, you know, projects within education as well and products with the same kind of, you know, foundational thought to say, we partner with organizations that have the expertise and distribution whilst we bring in, you know, a lot of the expertise and building the models as well as building scalable systems. Yeah. So that's been our model, really. Yeah. Earlier on, you mentioned that you are currently pursuing a PhD. Um, let's talk about that. Um, yep. Why the need to, you know, go for um, a PhD degree, uh, something that is not really, uh, you know, common for, I think for your uh, position right now, you have so much <laughs> that you're dealing with, right? Expansion yep. of the, the company and so on and so forth. Uh, but why incorporate um, studying for your PhD degree in all of the mix? Yeah, so if we go back to, again, my story, mm-hmm. right? I am by in heart an academic. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Um, if you go back into my family as well, right? My mom and my dad are academics, they're lecturers. Okay. If you go back an even further step, right, my grandfather was a head teacher. Uh, <laughs> you know, so for me, education is a very key proponent yes. in everything that we do. Yes. And a high quality education as well as you know academic excellence. So because of that, um, for me, I always had this problem where yes, I am I am a certified, you know, AI practitioner. Uh, yes, I am a certified digital transformation, uh, you know, specialist. However, I'd, I've never really had a you know a degree of sorts. All these are certifications, but I've never really had a degree or professional qualification um, in you know this particular you yes. know field. Yeah. And so for me, it was listen. I'm always all these different things that I have to struggle to figure out and, and put together. You know, these are things that, you know, there's theories about this. There must be some academic theories around it. So I felt, although I have the professional qualifications, yeah, in, in those spaces, I now need an academic background and background, you know, academia. Yes. And to work within an environment of very vibrant researchers for us to actually now start to work on breaking new ground on things that have never been done before. Because yes. remember, when you're working with corporates, they want things that have been done before, that yeah. things, that, <laughs> things that have evidence <laughs> yeah. you know, behind them. So that's why, you know, I really had to feed my intellectual curiosity, you know, yeah. in going to that direction. Yes. Is it, how how then is it going to contribute to your um, startup right now, yep. um, your line of research, even just specifically your topic of research? Mm-hmm. Um, is there something that, you know, the findings you could possibly then use and implement in your, your startup or? Yeah. So, right. So one of the big things that have uh, been happening is that I've been slowly moving out of our Botswana business and more into, you know, going out to build a broader business. And um, so as I've been doing that, this has also been giving me now a background yeah. um, in which I'm looking to compete with the best of them. Um, not only, you know, locally and regionally within the SADC region, but if I am pitching or working against maybe, for example, a McKinsey or a BCG or any of the large organizations, Accenture, whoever, yeah. within this field, my goal is to be able to make them dance. Yeah. And to be able to actually really, you know, build a very strong business. So for me, you know, this PH direction was a very important one because 
I had to be able to get to the very cutting edge of technology. Yeah. So, for example, the work that I'm studying in deep neural networks is actually around um, figuring out how to automate a lot of tasks that we do in our day-to-day business, but from the cognitive perspective. Yeah. So beyond just, you know, we all have always known that, you know, AI is eventually going to be able to do the routine, you know, day-to-day tasks, you know, very well. But the idea was how do we actually enable AI now to simulate the way that our brains work um, in order for the computer to be able to make decisions, to be able to have cognitive parts and to not only be able to have attention-based um, models, but even to be able to have what you call intuition-based models where you can sort of hardwire intuition into AI. So those are some of the things that I'm trying to now figure out within that uh, space. And um, in that work that I'm doing there, my hope is then to be able to contribute to a new era of knowledge that with Xavier Africa, we can be able to eventually monetize and grow out of proportion. Yes. Talking about, you know, expanding from Botswana into the rest of Africa and globally, um, just, a few weeks ago, you won the pitch battle at the Forbes Africa uh, Under 30 Summit. Right? Yep. Um, let's talk about that. Uh, what? How did that, you know, amplify what uh, solutions you're trying to, to bring or actually accelerate your journey into expanding into uh, the rest of Africa? Yeah, look, one of the... All right. One of the, one of the most important things that every entrepreneur needs because it's a very... It's a very uh, lonely, you know, journey. Yeah. Right? And although, yes, you've got other co-founders and you've got other people in the journey, but as a business, you need some sort of validation. All right. We've won, you know, different types of awards, you know, locally, visually, and so on. But yeah. we've always felt like, okay, maybe are we really, you know, are we really who we think we, we are? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not necessarily, you know, are we there per se, yeah. but like really in terms of like what we're working on, yeah. is, does it really have, you know, significance in the world? And so what the Forbes 30 out of 30 pitch battle really helped us with was to help us understand that we can compete with the best of them yeah. right here from Khaburin and Botswana. Yeah. Um, you know, you had people you know, from China, from the US, from India, from Botswana, from, from South Africa, from all over the world, really, not just, you know, people within Africa who were pitching within that pitch battle. Yeah. And, you know, within our category, we were able, you know, to really dominate, you know, yeah. in, that, in, in, in that particular uh, section and, and circle. And we were able to really get validation that we are in the right direction in terms of where we are in the cutting edge of technology, as well as, you know, where we're going. Yeah. And, you know, that really helped us with a great foundation, you know, to be able to start breaking ground in newer markets, um, as well as, you know, improve our, you know, our attractivity. What's that word? Um, our desirability, you know, if I can say as a business. Yeah. So that's really been a great, um, great endeavor that we went yeah. through there. And then talking about that, um, getting to the rest of the world, uh, you could, I think you could just uh, pretty much set up anywhere you would want to um, set up. But what is it for you um, and Botswana? What's so special about Botswana and, you know, getting to have a lot of your operations, uh, you know, emanate from uh, Botswana, uh, not studying into your Silicon Valleys and, and yeah. so on and so forth. <laughs> yeah, look, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this as important as it is for us. Yeah. And I've always said that our ambitions as a company are continental. Yeah. Right? And, and for us, we're going to have presence in, you know, at least 80% of the most important markets within the African continent within the next five to six years. Yeah. I mean, that's a, 
that's that's what we're doing and endeavoring towards but no matter how many countries we're in oh, yeah. no matter where we're going to be set up Botswana will always be our headquarters yeah and the reason why Botswana will always be our headquarters is because it is Botswana and Botswana who took a chance on you know very young uh you know 18 19 year old yeah. uh boys who said look we've got a we've got we a vision of yeah. and and you know you know imagine you know 18 19 year old a uh, skinny child i mean now i'm, I'm a bit, little bigger now but uh, you know skinny 18 19 year old and saying i've got solutions for your business yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's like you can you know I mean? yeah you know and i mean you're, you're talking to experienced you know business professionals but you know you know the, the, the local society took us incubated us accelerated us and you know contributed deeply into our journey yeah. um you know you look at organizations like bdih for example you know organizations like uh, government online for example these are institutions that have really you know taken us and mm. you know continue to equip us with how we can be able to get really get to the next level and that's really you know um, what we've needed you know as an organization and nowhere else in the world would you have had you know that level of support and uh, that level of strengthening uh, yeah. that you you need and so for me i'm i'm deeply 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 grateful for the station yes cuz what you've been talking about that um you are not a mozana yourself yeah. um you zimbabwean and you know coming from um that and actually being too rooted in botswana collaborating with other botswana um just talk about you know creating such opportunities maybe for other uh people who are looking to come into you know Botswana invest into Botswana invest into the talent in Botswana collaborate with the talent um in Botswana to actually grow their enterprises and uh, realize their ambitions yeah look uh, somebody lied to us yeah somebody lied to us and told us but that Botswana are lazy yeah and i don't know who it was but they run with this perception over and over and over again that almost everywhere you go you will hear somebody saying patona are lazy yeah that is a lie hmm. we you know as an organization right about 95% of our organization are young patona yeah young patona who all they wanted was an opportunity all they wanted was you know the right knowledge and learning all they wanted was you know the to be given a push to be able to go after their dreams and they would go on and do what they have to do yeah. and that's what we've witnessed you know with other you know guys that we've worked with i mean we've worked for example with muteo 6 7 years now for example with no issues with kesero you know 5 6 years as well and you know the rest of the team as well yeah. so that's really where for us um we've had an alignment of values beyond culture yeah. and into where do we want to go as a people yeah. and where do we want to take the continent as a whole yeah let's talk about um you launching into now the expansion and bringing even more solutions um to your company your business i assume that there would be you know opportunities um that would be available for other uh talent to come and plug into that web let's talk to those opportunities um that are there and sort of the caliber of the talent you would look yeah. to recruit into the company yeah so there's two things yeah. right um 
Xavier Africa has, well, we've been building what we call the Xavier Academy for the last couple of months. The idea has been that a lot of the skills that we need within a staff complement, if I can say, are pretty deep technically, if I can say. So because of that, our it was it's always been very difficult to recruit because for you to be able to get that level of skill, you'd have had to you know spend a long time grasping a lot of these key things. So we're introducing the Xavier Africa Academy, um, which the idea is to take somebody who's just finished school, take them through a six-month, you know, rigorous, very rigorous program um, for them to be able to have some of the key skills they need to be able to start with. And that is a testament to what, you know, our values have always been. We've always said our hiring policy is simple. We hire for evidence of exceptional ability. And when we hire for evidence of exceptional ability, we're saying all we demand from you is that either you're going to show us a first-class degree within wherever institution you learned in, or you show us evidence of exceptional ability. So, for example, you might not have gotten a first-class in school, but you built a system, for example, you know, that could do X, Y, Z tasks, or you self-taught a very complex programming language, or you self-taught something, you know, but just show us that you've got evidence of exceptional, exceptional ability. And just the kinds of people that we work with because without a dedication to exceptional ability and capability within our kind of environment you'd really really struggle yeah yeah, thank you very much for coming to the conversation and uh, the podcast. And I, we could have a lengthy conversation about this, uh, but I'm sure that uh, we will continue, you know, interacting more and seeing how, you know, we could uh, collaborate into, you know, building uh, the solutions uh, because eventually we want to really solve the unemployment problem that we exist within our um, our economy. And I think um, it's not really so far where we are getting. And thank you very much uh, for coming through to uh, the show uh, maybe your parting uh, words to our dear listeners um, just to uh, remind them about your company where you could be found and yep. um, yes the opportunity is yours man yeah <laughs> no, thank you so much um, so yes Xavier Africa um, were headquartered here in Botswana um, well like I said earlier on, I'm slowly, you know, disinvesting out of Botswana myself and um, moving to our other ancillary markets. So I won't be as around, you know, in in the local market. Um, However, we're located here, ITN Finance Park. You know, we, um, you can access, you can find us on our website, www.xavierafrica.com. So that's X-A-V-I-E-R, africa.com. And really, really, we're looking forward to working with as many people as possible. Thank you very much also to you for tuning into the conversation today. I do remember that you can continue engaging on these conversations further on our social media platforms using the hashtag Convo Lounge Africa. Or just send us a WhatsApp at plus two six seven seven six five one triple nine two. Bye. Convo Lounge. Expression, exposure, experience.